The programme which follows is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. Yeah, and Patrick said, I said, oh, one of Bob's questions was a trick question. He asked the team, when they dismantled the Eiffel Tower, how many tonnes of steel was left over? Was it 100 tonnes, 1,000 tonnes, or a million tonnes? Someone went, 1,000 tonnes. said, well, the Eiffel Tower was never dismantled. You know, it's a trick question. And he says, that's very weird. And he says, uh, you know, remember we said we were going to do watercolours. Yeah. And he says, these are my new watercolours. And one of them was monuments for restructuring political, you know, like Patrick's jokey politics. One of them had the sort of Eiffel Tower cut off. It's just a stump. Mm. It says the Eiffel Tower, you know, one of them. And I, I said, that's a really big uh, coincidence. You know. And then. Uh, Bob Monkhouse and Patrick Brewer, a conflation of the two. <laughs> yeah. I don't know whether he liked it, the uh, comparison. Good afternoon. You are listening to Isotopica here on Resonance 104.4 FM, the world's premier art radio station. My name is Simon Tishko, and today I bring you a detour featuring, amongst others... Tommy. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, it's very weird. What lens you got? Yeah, he was on TV as well. Again, it's this retro channel. They had some old Tommy Cooper yeah, stuff going on. Right. OK, we've got this tape recorder going. And I'm taking some shots. If anyone sees a teapot, not this tiny teapot. So I've got friends staying here at the moment. I'm losing stuff all the time because we're trying to be tidy, which is a nightmare. In such a compromised space. So where are you all at on your course? Just uh, we started part time for two years. We've just okay. the first term. Excellent. So I'm really happy to be doing that. Uh, 
which is, I had written actually something about that as well from Baudrillard's position. It's almost too late. Once it happens, it's too late. Yes. It's already happened. Yeah. Uh, that all the symbol symbolization has um, this been destroyed, so it's impossible to symbolize it. So uh, you can't really find a way of. Uh, once it's happened, it's it's, it's a disaster. It's a as people are show right. The perfect disaster, anyway. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's disaster symbolically. Pass me some milk from there, because I've got some black tea. It's in the fridge behind you, which is a rather nice fridge. I mean, this it was is actually my mother's. Yeah, it's a beautiful fridge. It's an old fridge. We want green tea then. Uh, yes, please. Let's see how it's going. Well, they've written some questions out for you, so when we sit down, we can probably ask those questions about Simon's actual practice. This is popcorn tea. Or in my char. It's got roasted brown rice in it. Nice. Gives it a really nice nutty flavour. That's all. Wonderful. Thank okay. you. Nice teas. Do you want sugar? No, I'll give you a break. Just enjoying your book collection. I've got to do it like a cake. Yeah. I've got to build some more shelves. It's easy, mate. Tag bearing. Oh, that's great. Oh, perfect. Yeah. You're so good at this. How do you find living with the wingmen? Um, <laughs> it's always been a very dysfunctional flat. Do you want some green tea? I like the wingmen. It's always been a very dysfunctional flat. Yeah, and, <laughs> and it's actually brought a degree of functionality to it that yeah. didn't have before uh -huh. in that kind of chaotic lifestyle I have. Um, it's a huge compromise. Yeah. <laughs> and a much bigger one than I expected, actually. Right, yeah. a, it was much more of an invasion than I intended, but a lot of that was bad planning on my part. Right. Uh, if you had it again, how would you situate it in the flat? Um, I'd probably position it in a different way. Yeah. But I'd also the the construction process and the amount of time I spent on top of the builders would have been much greater. Yeah. Um, but I let a lot of it slip for various reasons. Yeah. And it was it just went on. I suppose you compromise far too long. But like create, you want creative control of the whole thing, don't you? And then if you leave builders on their it's, own, I kind I had that, right. but I didn't take up on it and right. didn't manage. I actually had a project manager that's kind of an essential thing. Yes. Who got divorced and lost the plot and left the project wow. quite early on. So I kind of had to pick up on an already really running project. Project, yeah. And I don't like to be the project manager. I like someone else to do that. Right. Yeah. And um, as a result, I didn't manage anywhere near as enough as I should. So I can listen to this and see whether it's recorded. What? How's that? You getting things? Yeah. It's okay. a bit bassy. Well, that's the headphones just telling you that. Oh, right. This is a bassy headphone. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, put the posters on the wing. See what that looks like. Yeah, I want to take some pictures. Let's have a look at this. Is it still recording? So this yeah. is a disaster. I've got a couple of questions for you. But <laughs> it wasn't my fault. Like, they're written well, is, is with a, a, a kind of a, a bit of a... too long inside. I don't know, how shall I say, direct <laughs> pretense to them. So they're quite... They're going to seem quite asshole but they're not really meant to be. Because okay. I kind of already understand a lot more now that we're actually stood here, to be honest. Because yeah. there's an awful lot of questions that we had before we came here. Um, 
And if they've been answered by actually coming right. in. Yeah, it makes That's a huge it. difference. It's a huge so, difference because, yeah. like, well, all we had so to go on before was like photographs. It makes a huge difference, well. actually. Mm-hmm. You know, moving around it and stuff. But I wrote a few down that I'm, I'm quite interested to find out about. Um, and you know, like, you don't have to answer a copy of this. Thank you. As a gift. What is it? It's the initial responses to the poem by Malame about a disaster. And I don't know if I've got my writing. Oh, I have a bit of yeah, writing. Yeah, you do have your writing on there. Tiny. Yeah. <laughs> I like this. This is very nice. Okay, that's. Uh, There's another bench around the back there, Renny. Okay. If anyone wants to sit around the table, shall I put that okay, bench around the front? We can sit on the bed. Just yeah, wherever. Do you want to pull that bench out? Yeah, but I think the poster looks quite good, actually, with the yellow. Yeah, just go and take it. Yeah, go and you take it out that side. Oh, pop it down. Yeah. And there's cables everywhere. Move that. Like that. Right. Yep. I, I will move that. Put that there. Oh, fold. Turn the seat forward. Fold. Have a seat. There you go. Should Cheers. fold into a perfect book. Okay. Oh, oh thank you. <laughs> you alright? Yeah. I'll need my glasses the first time I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually a, a disaster because the original it was going to be different. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, he actually produced a disaster. That's quite funny. So you've got the ben- the Benelin, whatever it is, that I... That's Dominica's got that. I don't a terrible believe in that. Too. I mean, they don't actually do anything, cough mixtures, it's no, well known. Apart from soothe. <sighs> so, questions? Yeah, I guess the first one I really want to ask you, kind of, this is going to sound so stupid, but, like, why did you have it made? Why didn't you have a... Why didn't you take a, an existing sort of plane wing and, and chop that up and build it or put it in here and like install it. We absolutely considered that and it was actually far harder. I bet it was, yeah, because, looking at this um, space. Yeah. Since, since then, um, I got a phone call from one of the engineers that worked on this, that actually built it. He's working at one of the uh, Duckworth Air Museum uh, yeah. and he phoned me up for a, about a year ago and said, do you want a, um, a vampire fighter wing? Mm. wing? I went, yeah, you know, <laughs> maybe, no idea what to do with it. We went down to have a look at it, and this was the real wing, and it's an incredibly complex and heavy and solid piece of machinery. Yeah. So to actually cut one up to sections that you can get in a lift, in a council block, and then reassemble it in a way that looks anything half decent. Take a long time. Very, very difficult. Yeah. Whereas to actually fabricate something with the idea of bringing it up in a lift and getting it through a door, you know, it's going to be like an IKEA aeroplane kit, but they actually took it much further. And how long did it take to install? That was the biggest fucker of all because I didn't um, manage the project properly. One of the initial briefs to the builders was I wanted something like a film set, like mm. a two or three week. I said it's a domestic space, you know, so you've got to come in, a few days, click, 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 clip it together, ready built, come in and gone. They were here for almost a year. Really? Yeah. Like really beyond. And there's a video of me near the end of that installation period, and I'd so lost it because it, it was my home space was completely mm. destroyed for that period of time, and there was no stopping. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what you do. You can't with, with major projects. It's you know it got very big arts council funding this as well. Mm. Um, but that was that was bad management on my part. A job that I don't like to do. Did they fund all of it, the Arts Council? Though? Pretty much, yeah. Mm. 
and I got quite I got other funding elsewhere, but the arts council I got twenty five thousand pounds for this from the director. That's pretty good. That is pretty good for a single artist. Yeah, that's yeah. excellent. Do you think that that because you had that period where you kind of felt detached from the house? Do you think that's actually made it easier to kind of live with it because you had that you had to endure that time of not being able to live in a functional space? It was. I don't know whether it helped. In that before, I had a very strange relationship with this flat. So when I first moved in, I thought I'd be here for three or four months, you know, six months or something like that, and then I'll fuck up somewhere else. And I've been here for twenty odd years now. What? you know kind of stuff and a lot of time I've not lived here sometimes it's just been rented out sometimes it's been a studio space but um, this is the most strangely the most domestic it's ever been and a lot of that is because of the necessity of working in such compromised space that you actually had to work harder at it but um, the we had so many projects when the when it first started after the launch and it was I was doing supper clubs for a while. It was when sort of pop-up supper clubs first started and I sort of was doing them here and I was getting like 12 people a night, 40 quid a night, making a fortune. But I had to stop because just the sheer intrusion of people here all the time um, was really, really affected me. It was, it was too much. Well, I was going to ask you, how do you feel about people just coming into the space and crawling around your things? And I mean, this is absolutely fine. You know, I'm used to this. This is, this is nice. This is good. And what I've discovered is that people within the art world, I mean, there's a difference because you're coming here for the reasons that the project was made. Whereas one of the last supper clubs, um, I got some really good press, some really sort of trendy press, and I got all these people. And someone from one of the big political dynasties, the Balfours or something like that, she phoned up, she said, hey, can I book it just for my friends for the night? You know, there, and I went, yeah, okay. And these, it was like being invaded. It was like a house invasion by these awfully posh people who were shouting and abusive in their shouting. When they first came in, I said, look, this is, you know, part of the joy of Supper Club at Flight. It's in a flat, you know, you've got neighbors. Oh yeah, okay. And once they started drinking, it was worse. And I'm kind of like the host. I'm just getting get the from my house. So, yeah, so uh, whereas art world, we're coming here for the right thing because you know we're all kind of going, wow, quiet, and you know, and majority of guests are like that, kind of respect it. And it's, I did something with resonance um, about Gustav Metzger. You know, Metzger's work, the autodestructive art and things. Yeah. And there was a whole festival of work around autodestruction and things that projects that destroy themselves. And one of the things was a guy, we were, probably about 200 people, maybe 300 people were gathered for the thing, it's actually at Beaconsfield, and you had a guy there with a trombone that had been modified, and it had been modified with a big container of sand, which very slowly dripped into the trombone. And, and as it dripped in, it blocks the trombone, so you can't play it. And you play the occasional note, but you had two or 300 people listening quietly, reverently, and with a sense of spiritual, in, you know, like I was sitting there going, wow, this is fantastic. And it was because of the way we all approached it. And we're all listening to sand filling in a trombone. I mean, the most absurd thing ever, but it was really memorable as an event and as a thing. And it was the context and the context that we'd all agreed on. So here, we're all here agreed 
what this is. It's and quite what we're doing here. interesting to listen to you talk about that because it, it gives the impression that you're trying to create an experience, and I think that definitely comes across with something like this. I mean, it is an experience. I mean, just mm. walk, walking into somebody's house is an experience. So that's, yeah, that's fair to say as well. But like, you have something like this, something that you sure as hell don't see every day. Yeah. And it and it does it make it makes it memorable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes it memorable. But it's there's something there's a bit more to it as well. I mean you're going for I could look at your at your stuff and like uh, your your past projects. There's quite a satirical sort of social political thing going on there as well. I mean do you think that Hopefully yeah. that's yeah, I mean you you're wanting that to come through and what's going on here as well. Well there's an absurdity here because um I bought this flat under the Tory right to buy scheme, which I find utterly disgusting. It's a disgrace, that whole thing. But there I was, and I got my papers in about four hours before the scheme ended. So I bought social housing for about, I don't know, I think, I, I can't remember, like 15 grand or something ridiculous. I bought a flat in central London, and in many ways I've stolen that in mm. there. And yet, with art, have you seen when I did the drug deal as an artwork? Yeah, yeah. When I did that as a drug deal as an artwork, why I did there? Because years ago I used to take lots of drugs and actually sold drugs quite often. And it was by putting it through the transformative process of the art world, I was able to sell a bag of cocaine at the biggest markup ever. Mm. I mean, it was, it was, I think, 300 quid's worth of Charlie, and I sold it for 20,000 pounds. It's not a bad return, but boom, is it? You know, which is really great. Plus, I turned everyone involved into a criminal in the process. <laughs> so, you know, we, we got this whole thing going on, and it was, it, it was actually so successful, you know, I was kind of the glow afterwards, you know, big bag of money, just like a big drug deal, but even better. And um, afterwards, with that one, I thought, what, what's the next stage? How do I do a bigger one? So I phoned up the Bolivian embassy, <laughs> as you would. And I said, look, I'm an artist, work with agitation, propaganda, a lot of politics. And they didn't understand, so they asked me to send an email. And I didn't think I'd hear again. And they phoned back an hour later and said, the ambassador will see you on Wednesday morning. So <laughs> I actually went into the Bolivian embassy and asked them for several million dollars worth of cocaine to make an American flag in the jungle in Bolivia. And we'd set light to it. And he almost fell off his chair laughing, and it was great. But and I'm still trying to do that project, but it's because the context. You know, you can do that within a certain context, but you can't do things in other contexts. And here, you've got social housing converted into private housing, which was a huge political act on the part of the Tories. And now, as an artist, I'm taking it. And the idea is to sell the flat as an artwork. Because if I if, if I got rid of the plane and put Laura Ashley wallpaper up, I'd sell the place for three hundred thousand pounds or something, um, or less. And because people pee in the lift, it's still social housing. Um, as an artwork, I can possibly sell it for twice that, three times that, whatever. Let's see what we can do, <laughs> and reap the rewards and laugh. What am I doing? Where's the game? I don't know. It's like it's like pensions. You know, it's like you're kind of. You've invested I was thinking, you know, what have I got resource-wise? And quite often, I'm broke. I'm a, I'm a broke artist. You know, I've got no money, whatever. What have I got resources? And I thought, I've got this flat. What can I do? 
with this and actually putting the whole flat on the table. It's like putting a gambling chip on red six and seeing what comes up, you know. Put it on odds or evens, but let's go for it. Let's throw it in, and that's exciting, that is a gamble. I was very aware of that as part of the process. Do you think that living in this space for, like you said, you, you were going to live here for like three or four months to begin with, you ended up living here for over 20 years. Mm. Do you think that's had an influence as well on like what you've, you know, you've, you've seen what this place is like without a massive aeroplane wing in it and, mm. you know, do you think that's influenced how you look at here and like how you want to divide it up and like how you want to move around it, how you want to live in it? Well, taking out all the walls, um, uh, that was a great thing because that's that's kind of you know I'd like to live in a warehouse in Hoxton not you know <laughs> not but you know I, I could do with a nice big space to live in but I don't I live in this space here and I've taken all the walls out and done that and it's an evolution it's it's evolved as opposed to um, I, was so, I was so fucked I kind of in my planning we took the walls out after I'd put the wing in Whoops, you know, it was like so back to front. So my notion of planning, I kind of roll with things or trip with things, you know, it's like tumbling over without trying to break your nose at any one time. I think that's what this project's been like. Have you had Kevin McLeod come around here? No. That's the one from... Grand Design. Grand Design. Yeah, I'm just curious because I know he's quite interested in stuff like this. Um, no, but friends of mine built a house that was on Grand Designs off in Olympia and they've designed a whole room downstairs around one of my pieces. Oh, right. Which okay. is a great big mirror piece. So it's been on telly, but not this one. And that was something else we were going to ask you about as well, sort of recognition, because mm. although this is, this is a big-ass piece of work, you know, I mean, it'd be big in a gallery, never mind yeah. in a house. But do you think it's getting the kind of recognition? It, it's obviously you're going to try and get some recognition. Mm. For it. You don't make work to not get recognition for it. Um, but then again, it is tucked away. It is in sort of a, a corner. Mm. If you look at it like that, do you think it is getting any kind of recognition or as much as it deserves? No, no, uh, not at all. But then that's that's something that I struggle with my work all the time. And all I can do is reflect back and think, well, what am I doing that keeps it like that? So I'm in a niche. There's, um, have you any heard of Le Cool? It's, mm -hmm. You know, the Le Cool guy, mm -hmm. we've been in it three times now. This project's been in it three times. So I'm kind of on this niche, a sort of trendy niche, which is great at one, time, at one scale. But at the same time, it would be nice to sell this place for one and a half million and get himself a place in Knightsbridge and have a holiday for once, you know, whatever. <laughs> and it's and it's there. And but but at times, I've got very strange practice because I at times I sell my work for tens of thousands of pounds, like cocaine piece and things. So the illusion is kept going, hmm. and it actually works. Yeah, it's not quite regular enough to be the sort of bourgeois bohemian spirit that I so obviously emulate. <laughs> <laughs> I do think, I think that's interesting you, you mentioned the illusion because I guess that's all, all what the art scene is, isn't it? Mm. Creating illusions and, and, and stuff that, that's in fashion and out of fashion and niche and uh, obscure and underground like, like you were saying because when, when your work's kind of niche or obscure or kind of you know it, 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 the commercial aspect of it is, mm. it's 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 really removed from that isn't it because it's kind of still so niche but in a way do you want your work to kind of become more commercialized would you be happy with it kind of being more recognized or do you quite enjoy it being part of this niche kind of art scene or i don't know 
I met I met the painter. Uh, is it Jack Vitrello? Vitrello, you know the yeah, guy. Vitriano. Vitriano, yeah, him. I met I met him once. And I remember uh, he he was yeah he was there. And he, yeah, exactly, Paul Vitrello. So but he was there. And I remember looking at him, thinking, you know, what would I? How would it be like to be him? You know, this great. You know, he's the biggest selling painter. That's the antithesis of you, isn't it? That sort of thing. Hmm? That's the antithesis of you. Yeah, yeah. He didn't. Way. You know, neither of us set out to do it. I didn't set out to do it this way. Um, and he probably didn't set out to do it that way. He was just doing what he did, and look how it's turned around. And I, mean, I remember just looking at him, thinking, "Well, what, how would that? What would that be like? I mean, what would it be like to be Damien Hirst? Does he give a fuck? You know, multi, multi, multi-millionaire Damien Hirst, who is basically has been marketing his second year BA work for thirty years or twenty years or however long it is. That's all he's done." And would Damien Hirst be able to live with a massive like sheep and you know, moulder hide in his living room? I mean, well, in, to an extent, he does because in, in the, you know he's got he's got all these huge places. And when have you ever been in sort of you know, huge country houses? You know, when you go and stay in living in huge country houses, it's like living in an artwork. It's an absurd thing. I've got a friend that's got um, staff, and she dresses them up in livery and things like that. And she's I don't know what she's on what kind of trip she's on but she does this and you go there and it's like being in a performance but it's deeply satanic because it's not a performance <laughs> you know it's for real she really believes this stuff so you know is that an artwork because when you we say that about the art world as okay it's a game and it's an illusion and things what isn't as such you know when you go to war you know two countries go to war that's an illusion that's a big political illusion you know I've got to kill you because you're a baddie it's like or you're in religion it's the same thing it's another illusion so choosing what illusions you take part in and you want to invest in is there well, the whole conspiracy theory on 9-11 where, uh, the, the layering of different levels of illusion illusion mm. uh, upon illusion so that it ends up actually going full circle that it's actually the Americans who actually perpetrated the yeah. for other reasons or political reasons which gave them such a perfect well the Russians did do that when they blew up the apartment blocks in Moscow they um, actually did the, the yeah the, the, you know there's absolutely no doubt in anyone's mind anywhere that the Russians blew up an apartment block in their own city to allow them for the next invasion of Chechnya wasn't it it was Chechnya and blew that up there. It's easy enough to blame to, um, the other. Or yeah, it's, it's, it's once again to invoke the other and go, here we go. I mean, look at our government now invoking this sort of notion of the scrounger versus the striver. I mean, it's a disgrace. What's the striver? Yeah, a Tory. You know, <laughs> <laughs> oh, a striver. Let me have what you've got. Yeah. You know, that's the census thing yesterday about the, oh, you know, the white white people in white are in a minority. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's um, it's well, I mean, I know we're on about like newspapers and things now, but it's it's just hate mongering. I think it is. Yeah, that's, well, that's, well, the fear of the other selves. I mean, yeah. it's that notion. It's it's fear. Um, I'm trying to get a project together with the Wellcome Foundation. Um, it's science, art, crossover, and things is that like the that. Welcome? To, uh, is it welcome with the welcome double L C O M? It's, it's mm. that they were one of the biggest drug companies in the world, oh, right. and now they're the biggest foundation and charity in the world. But they do a lot of art stuff. They've got the place in Euston Road, um, but they give lots of money for things. And would you build another one somewhere else, or is it very specific to a time and place? But this, this, yeah. Um, 
because I could see it, you know. Yeah. I, we actually thought about recreating it uh, early on because I was working with um, Chris Hammond, was yeah. his name? MOT. MOT Gallery at first, and we were talking about building it in the Tate performance, that's one of the spaces in Tate afterwards. Yeah. And rebuilding the flat as a film set. So you know that you could approach the Tate, you know, to, if you had build a full scale one, this is full scale, it, but yeah. it's partial. Mm. But the, I mean, we just came from the Tate to see Rashid. Mm. Are in and those tanks spaces, those huge bunker spaces, mm -hmm. I think it would suit the wood, you know. Yeah. Of course, it, was, it, it, mm. would, it would be fantastic. Yeah, look at um, what's her name who hung an aeroplane up. Oh, yeah, who was what's her name? I remember that. She'd been here, she's seen this project. Is that the other band? Oh, right. yes. It'd be really interesting to see it in a really large space rather than such a... Yeah, so you could step back yeah. and have a look. I thought, you know, imagine if you could walk on the walls and look yeah. in with Actually, us, like, us here like this, having the conversation, the conversation with people walking around the edge. Like, even being yeah. able to walk on it, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? That's, yeah. that's really interesting rather than, like here, it's really right. compact, isn't it? But it'd be yeah. so good to it's see. It's too compact, it's lost. You can't... This space, it looks fake. Yeah. It looks like all the books and all the, all the wood and all the the crockery. It just looks like it's an installation. It doesn't it actually doesn't, look like it's yeah. it's actually lived in. Yeah. Mm. What well, the fuck? Like, yeah. It's just so bizarre. It's, it's really it broken really down the public private you way that we usually identify <coughs> objects in public space or private mm -hmm. space or utilities or non-utilities. So as soon as you have something that is not necessarily either a design element. Or, or it's not a functional element, but it seems to blow up, blow up, and collapse all the other distinctions between. That's very much part of the experiment of the project, and as it's because as an experiment, we started off with some ideas, and we're seeing how it goes. And living here, because I'm very aware, you know, I'm often I often photograph here. You know, I can't help it. You know, it's just like there's photo opportunities everywhere as you're finding with the camera, and it kind of shoots itself. So where is the artwork? Where is the home? Where is you know? It's the obvious question, but it really does get blurred. Plus. Um, you know, I've had works that the collector buys and it's put in storage, but imagine here, you'd be able to say, do you want to come and stay in my artwork? And I could imagine leaving here now, bump, just walking out <laughs> and selling it for 2.2 million, 1.1 million, whatever the price is, and going, I said, yeah, the, the gaffer tape there, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was really thinking about that gaffer tape yeah. there. You know, just think of, no, I can't move that. <laughs> you know? It's like, where does it stop? Where does it begin? It's also to do with identity because uh, no, no, Kabakov, Ilya Kabakov's work about the ten apartments or ten characters it was called, mm -hmm. where he built ten uh, interior installations, and in each one was a particular character uh, typified in Russian councillors' uh, housing. Okay, ten characters, and some of the you know the aspects of the interior describe the character of the that he's you know conditioned by the council council housing and it's a very funny piece and it's a very profound piece and it's a very uh, interesting one about authorship you know that, that you can't tell whether Kabokov or is very much involved in this it goes beyond the author so much you know mm -hmm. so in some ways by bringing the airplane wing in it also deauthorizes you because then you say well it's not actually it is Simon's place but it's also becomes it's like a Kabokov installation where, where the the author disappears somewhere along the route I don't know you don't own the sort of the ownership then of the 
of the piece, but it's it's interesting, I think, because it sort of blurs all these things and it sets things out of focus. But it's this, the idea of blurring is it's 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 really interesting because the idea of you know making an artwork be stick on a wall, it's kind of you know that died a long time ago. Yet I just yeah. sell and make things that people stick on their walls, and it's like it's really weird to be doing that. That, that feels weird and yet to be doing it and so you know you've got to go elsewhere i'm talking with stuart brisley do you know stuart brisley's work yeah. performance artist he's really really interesting he's been practicing he's really out to the left it's since major, the 50s uh, yeah 50s 60s oh. 70s 80s performance stuff sure. and um i just that we're going to be collaborating in the new year I'm really excited about but all the way through his practice he's just pushed and you know this is this is a gentle nudge the boundaries compared to where he would go. Yeah. <laughs> but one there was a really nice comment. A bunch not long after I did this project, a um, bunch of friends met in the ICA and they were at the bar in the ICA. And um, someone mentioned me. He said, "Ah, oh, Tish goes here. You know what he'd do? What build a fucking aeroplane in it? <laughs> <laughs> it's like so you can't get typecast. It's like so. To, to the idea of making it again, probably not like this, but there's other things to do." Do you have a general interest in aviation at all? Um, my father was in the Polish Air Force in World War Two, and I'm right under the flight path. If you stand out the front, well, or you the can back, hear him the all the time. Yeah, yeah. Right, oh, it's a straight line over the house. Mm. So you've path. got that all the time. Um, do you think mm. if you were to sell this, that what when you move somewhere else, do you feel like you would then do the same? Maybe find a new project to kind of do inside. You flat out a house again, or would you not live like that? I don't think I'd do it into my own place again. Somewhere. Not else. necessarily, but then if I sold one, it would be a franchisable thing because you make the idea. Yeah. I mean, the idea of, of just having another apartment and calling it my apartment and this, that, and the other. So, where does one skin the artifice and the like? The, the one I'd really like to do is to remake, do an exact copy of the. What they call dignitas, you know, dignitas, mm. the suicide people in Switzerland. I want to redo their flat because <laughs> I read a description of it and it's just fantastically banal and kind of neat, but not posh and just kind of there. And people go there to die. Weird place. Well, it's interesting that Gerhard Richter's yeah, portraits of the Bader Meinhof group and the sort of very domestic spaces sometimes in his work always those also those prisons put shots so, yeah. Stamheim, Stamheim. Yeah. I mean I'm quite interested in um, a friend of mine, Adam Nankervis, who had uh, done some work like that, photo based work. So how how important is it to use the documentation? Because in this what this project we're working on, this well, I realised in some ways that the actual project is coming to see you, talk to you, document. Mm. And so the art as documentation becomes quite a big a big part of it. So, you know, these images are so beautiful to look at already before we have even moved forward and are quite interested in how things are memorialised. For instance, this is a kind of memorialisation in itself, the yeah. wing. So it, it's very layered with the way that one then projects that what's interior world here uh -huh. outside 
And I think you were trying to hit on that, and how is it represented? Or mm. well, she said it's very difficult because not when when you weren't prepared, even though you'd seen the website. Well, yeah, I mean, that, I found it very difficult. That's to true. I mean, it, like, there's, yeah. there's no possible way to get a sense of scale for what it's like to live in any space, let alone one with a bloody great plane wind running through it. But then it's it's like how it makes you move around as well. I mean, like around here, it's completely fine. You can walk around. You can be seven foot tall, you know, Brian can come in here and play basketball and it's going to be fine. <laughs> but as soon as he tries to get under there, he'll have to move. Oh, his Brian, yeah, Brian's about seven foot. Yeah, he's, tall is he? yeah. he's seven foot. He's an American. It is, it makes you Brian move. is a It makes you move yeah. in a particular way. It makes you, it makes you duck down. It uh -huh. makes you want to climb on it. It makes you want to you yeah. know, tap it and see what it sounds like. It's quite interactive, even though it's still. It's nice it's rather like than walking. The impact, though, I, I like the, the feeling of this like post impact. It's like some. It's like the the plane is like going through the building, and it's. It's, it's like to do with the. It is to do with an event. Mm -hmm. But then, what I'm trying to say is that the event of us being here, or as you say, it's a performative object. Mm -hmm. But it's also, you know. As soon as you start living in uh, in the installation, and there are some very major figures I don't come to mind, like a Japanese guy who lived in New York who did two years sort of performance pieces, where he you know he didn't go out for two years. Isn't that one of them? Yeah. Very famous one. Who, who was telling me about? You, yeah, what's his name? Can you remember? Can't his name. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of nice, I like the idea of that. Get a grant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Write it up. Let's get a proposal down. Come to the Met. Come to the Met. Yeah. Yeah. Stay in a cage for one year and never talked. Didn't write, didn't hear, didn't do anything. Was he interested in documenting it? Because he obviously. Yeah. It, someone documented it, but it wasn't him. Do you know Anselman Biswas? Yeah. He did um, a Vipassana retreat inside a, ga a gallery, because the Vipassana retreat is a 10-day silent meditation, and he did it in a box in the gallery. Yeah. And there was one piece, I don't know, it's Ron Hazelden or somebody like that, or it could Stuart Brisley, it could have been, uh -huh. who bet um, an Acme gallery in Covent Garden in the 70s, I think. Uh, bear borrowed his way out. I like that. They locked him in and he, I can't remember which one, borrowed okay. his way out through yeah, a tunnel. Yeah, dig, dig your way out. <laughs> yeah, dig your way out. Like being buried alive. <laughs> who was it? There's someone someone um, re-channeled one of the London rivers through the Chisholm Gallery. Yeah, who was that's that? really nice, and I was really jealous because I like a bit of plumbing, and I, thought, I, wish I'd, I wish I'd done that. But it's like you know, really nice. I've just got it flowing through. There's tea here. Who else wanted tea, by yeah. the way? No. no I'll, have a, I'll have a bit. Yeah. Yeah, go. There's green tea. Thanks. So tonight you're going to see uh, Jonas Mikas. Yeah. And um, uh, it's, it's a special event. And he's about 89 or something like that. that 90 point? in a few days' time. Is he? So it's, this is his <laughs> 90th celebrate. birthday celebration. So he's got all his poets and different people there. But again, he's an artist. It's interesting that you're going there because he's an artist who had a movie camera, a Bolex camera, before anyone really started thinking about how that could document in his life, mm. basically with a, uh, a very domestic kind of process he radically changed yeah. the way people the, the idea of filmmaking he did what we do now with mobile phones with yeah. way in 1940s he was yeah. doing that one of the first as yeah. I say 
And it's interesting that, yeah, when I saw some of his films, they were quite domestic. You know, were, to, were, were about uh, a very personal mm. approach to the film. It's interesting. Well, we're, we're showing, we're actually showing a film as part of that tonight, which is um, working with David Ellis, the performance artist, performer. You're showing in, the, in this yeah. project. Yeah. So tonight. you're part of the Jonas Mikas night tonight. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, I wish we really, could come to that. It's really nice. It, it's sold out, apparently, or booked out, or whatever. One of them might, you might be able to get one of them in. It's quite possible. I mean, I'd, I want to take the list. <laughs> I, I phoned them up a couple of days ago and they said, no, you and David are on the list. And they said, well, what about, you know, everyone else? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, well, there's yeah. always standing room somewhere in there yeah. if anyone did want to come down to the Serpentine. Because um, that's quite a special event there yeah, tonight. Well, he's, I mean, so, he's so alive at 90 years old. Yeah, don't um, we all want to be like that? But, you know, There's so. a number of artists that are like that. It's um, like... Ravi Shankar died today. I saw him yeah. play last year, and it was just—it was just the best bit of live music I've ever seen. I think it really was. There were moments of utter. See, that's what I think beyond. about you, Simon. It's that the live aspect is very important to you, mm. but at the same time, you're also involved in recording yeah. things. So it's interesting to me. Two things in your work: pu public and private mm -hmm. uh, in exchanges or collapses, collapse, mm. um, and also this thing between live and recorded. Uh, how it works because often in your recordings there's a very informal uh, live feeling so oh, it, always yeah, yeah. I, don't, I hate too much heavy in edit but yeah. from 70s performance stuff where performance was part of a political move to decommodify art in many respects we make a performance that's ephemeral it's here and it's gone and this that and the other yeah, you can't you can't use it yeah you can't use it books. you can't sell it on so what happened was the documentation the flyers the posters then become um the documentation of that what's the name richard long when he went yeah. did those um walks, walks yeah did yeah. the walks you know one kilometer yeah. walk up yeah. and down the plains of the andes for sort of yeah. seven days and then you've got the photograph of this line that he drew um, but that was that was actually taking the performance thing and actually deciding these are the objects that would be sold. And then the, the photograph becomes stands in. Yeah, becomes the object. Yeah, edition of six or whatever. I, I did wonder the, if there's the, a if there's a mediation or is art about um, these mediations, you know, or how do you keep things in in perspective in this sense? Because you know. Um, as I say, the purists like uh, you know, say Straub, Hulet, filmmakers, and it's like so uh, rigorous uh, Marxist mm -hmm, structuralist mm -hmm. filmmaking, and then now it looks a bit kind of absurd yes. to to have been so kind of um, uptight about how how you could maybe not even control. Uh, some of these semiotics at work, and you know, maybe the, this idea of controlling everything was a bit too much. But as you say, that was the origin. The politicisation yeah. was a problem. Whereas now we're sort of thinking, well, what do we do with all this disenchantment? You know, we're we're stuck with disenchantment. Well, the the, the YBAs were were the Thatcher artists. They're terrible. Yeah, that, um, I mean, everyone agrees. Thank God. I mean, yeah. That's over because it was a bit of a problem for you. Have, have you, have any of you, or hopefully all of you, have you seen *The Rebel* by Tony Hancock? 
yeah. No, yeah. You know the film. It's an absolute. If you're involved in any kind of art practice, you must see The Rebel, 1966. Do you know Tony Hancock? Yeah. I have a yeah. copy. Yeah. I'll bring it. Hancock's in. half hour. He, Hancock's yeah. half hour. This is yeah. the real He played stuff, this sort yeah. of dissatisfied. Um, he was a clerk, you know, just there, bowler hatted clerk. And in it, this is his first feature film, and he decides. That he said, where do people like me go? People that are true artists with his bowler hat. And he went, I know Paris. So he goes off to Paris to be an artist. And very quickly, he's in those arguments. He goes in a bar and there's, there's these beatnik looking artists going, no, it must be blue lines, blue lines. No, you're so wrong. It must be green. And, you <laughs> know, we fight on the and, and, there, and he's just there with his little glass of Van Rouge. Going, oh my God, I've arrived, I've arrived. <laughs> and he gets mistaken for a great artist um, of someone else's art. And it's just fantastic and all the, the cliches that they roll out. It's the most fantastic script. And, you know, we talk about the illusion once again of the art world. You watch that film and it's, it's just encompassed in that. It's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful film. Yeah, very funny. Okay, it's also depressing. It's kind of, kind of <laughs> depressing. <laughs> but it's, it, it keeps coming back. I mean, someone, they recreated all the paintings from it. Yeah. Uh, in an exhibition. Harry, Harry Pye. No, was, no, it Harry, was it? Might was have it? been Harry Pye. Yeah, that sounds right. Might, no, it was somebody else. But Harry Pye had a, another alternative. What? What if Picasso lived in Hackney? Yeah. <laughs> and then did all of Picasso's paintings as if they were just of local places in yeah, Hackney. Yeah, yeah, lovely. They were quite funny. Uh huh. But it, it, to quote the rebel, it gets close but to, to the knuckle with you because he starts off with aspirations to be a great artist by having this huge Aphrodite by the waterhole, big, huge, massive, yeah, 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 massive yeah, yeah. sculpture in his flat. That's it's right. so heavy that it goes through the floor. Exactly. I realised that this after is making the project. And I've got a woman downstairs <laughs> that complains, just like in the film. I mean, I am Tony Hancock in yeah. the fucking rebel, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you should call this aeroplane Aphrodite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it really makes sense. That's a very good point. I've never thought of actually. Yeah. <laughs> it has a quality. Yeah, it has a, a very um, a strong sensual quality. Even the fact that it's riveted, and I remember even re reading about Richard Deacon's riveted sculptures and things like that, how they were uh, uh, allusions to uh, aeroplane design, because his father, as well, had, was in aeronautics, I think. And, uh huh. And his mother was a doctor, so between the two, that he had produced this sort of biomorphic, aeronautic type sculptures. But mm -hmm. of course, they're very sensual with all the riveting and uh, the beauty of the surface. You know, well, the curves, say. especially the other side of this here, the curves are absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, yeah I was just saying, photographed very well as sculpture. As mm, a sculpture, it's a sculptural object. Which as is soon as you of... take it away from the aeroplane fuselage, yeah, it, it starts to behave differently. Yeah. It's an unbelievable piece. Glad I saw it. Very fantastic. It's quite interesting the way those books are sort of just rammed in under there. I think they're going to continue and go over, actually. I'm liking that more and more. Yeah. Let's take over. I mean, but before you came, there was loads of stuff stored on top of that wing over there, which is part of that pile on the floor. So it sort of becomes... Um, a massive shelf. A massive shelf, yeah. Paid for by the Arts Council. Yeah. Did you ever have a cat or anything? Oh, the, yeah, they're both asleep behind the oh, sofa at the moment, probably. Oh no, there's cats here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're probably they're almost certainly it's that time of day so when you have all, cats in here. Yeah, they're normally one of them sleeping a lot on top of the wing at the moment. You hear them running about up there. <laughs> oh. 
so it'd be nice to get some shots of the cats, but never mind. I'll Another send time. you some. It's part, yeah. of the, part of the postcard on the postcard rack. So the picture of the cats up on top, two of them huddled up together. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'd like to continue the project with you, Simon. I mean, it's great. This is very good. Uh, if you want to continue next uh, next year and do Absolutely. something coming Always out of happy. this, yep. send you copies of all this stuff, and uh, we'll see how um, how it goes, what we do next, because it's a very open agenda. Mm. You know. This is a very open project. Yeah. See where it goes. So. Exactly. But I do find that it's interesting that we were working on uh, the Malame poem and, uh, and uh, on the phone call we had, which I suddenly realised, of course, they're both disasters, aren't they? The, 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 the this was originally going to be much more of a disaster because yeah. I was working with um, I was working with flames a lot. Uh, uh, if you run pipes through sand, yeah. you can get sheets of flame coming up really? off the floor. And I was doing that, and I was thinking here... How, how does that work, the flames... Um, gas. Yeah, you just have the gas and it seeps through. The, you know the fake fireplaces you oh, have yeah. there? Mm. That's basically silica sand with some pipes and yeah. the gas goes through the sand <coughs> so it comes up all over. So I was doing that in the studio and I was going to have flames and fire oh, here. God. But uh, I've actually caught... the whole block. Of <coughs> you could go to prison for that, I think. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. It's very dangerous. I pulled back from the edge there because any good project's about pulling back. From pulling back from the edge is another good title, yeah. chilly well that's, I think we could round it off because yeah, we should make a move ourselves uh, get them something to eat before they get on the train and what I normally do of course I'm advised that's what I usually get a few bottles of wine there's a few of us travelling back and forth from Leeds and we used to get completely how long is the train around. journey Got two hours long enough to get nice. me and Alice yeah. have already decided yeah, we're yeah, going to nice. pub when we get back to Leeds <laughs> Yeah, it's been great. No, it's been fun. It's really nice to have visitors. Um, I had two groups of the patrons group from the Serpentine Gallery, and that was really... They came here? Yeah, two of them. <laughs> and crazy. I mean, they were with the sort of women, they've got handbags that you could swap for a small villa in the south of France <laughs> on their arms, and coming into a council block, the look of sheer terror. Ruby Wax was in the first lot. Remember Ruby Wax? She's been here? Yeah, she yeah. came here. First thing she did was lift the loo up to see if it was clean. <laughs> She's so Jewish. And then straight up the ladder and sat on the top, you know, there, but... But far away from the cats. Yeah, well, shame I don't see the cats, that's the only thing I've regretted. No, they're, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Give me that. Give me they that. really yeah. let Give you side down, one. those cats, sometimes, you know? Pad words. I said, they've had Louis Vuitton bags, and they've been like, see, like, are you going to fall? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mind your head when you stand up, you're right by the old light switch, that's it, you got it. Oh, okay, thanks. That's, that was in the middle of the wall, that light switch. I love this. I really want this. <laughs> no, no, they're, they're almost certainly behind the sofa. That's kind of their <laughs> afternoon place. They're like me. January. Snow all day, spreading absences. Half trees, hovering walls. Ice where black-legged boys step crook-kneed spiders. In dusk, gradually, light, shape, nothing but snow. 
ice. February. On a pulse of branches, sparrows bounce in the yielding weather. The grip gone when the body melts together in the fire's electric red grin. Not enough now, the body weeping inside down its red walls. The hard face shaving itself in the glass, admitting nothing. Through the night, wishes down roadways of the dream. Wordsworth heard the crazed ice howl like wolves. Hear the small things. Sparrows smug in the arms of promise. Buds poppling the plane trees. Bully, sweet talks, daffodils, come on, come on out, then boots them about, tries pulling their tattered ears off and can't quite, so turns to you, rubbing grit between your second and third skins. Close for comfort. Bulging hot a moment, withering next. Irrational. You look up, seeing small Mediterraneans fill suddenly as mountains of cloud topple. Seeing the mirror month. May. Sighs, perhaps. Could. Might. Stories remembered, blue sea places, magic happening and still might. Night tightens, cold enough for sweaters, real wouldn't, shouldn't, didn't, did. Gravity could be, or plan to love, or be safe, or from those thick hollow words. This is the month you would choose for it. <laughs> 
July. After a day working in uneasy clothes and your brain tacky, walk straight into the sea at just the right temperature. August. Anarchists stretch intellectually whitened legs on bourgeois sand. Power men watch landscapes of decision sink behind cream of yachts. Recidivist critics gorge porn and schmaltz under Georgian boughs. Plunge nose in cones, swept gin and tongs. August comes into your dark suit, tweed jacket, bright shoes, appropriate gear and attitudes. Seeing him and her losing their gentleness with their tan, you understand how wars can be declared in September. Arrowheads of birds shot south from an inner bow. Watching trees whiplash. Watching astounded poplars, muscled oaks. Watching the overhead moon cradle in bright arms a whole dark memory. November. No pretense now. There is a cat screams nightly. To imagine torture is for there to be torture. Total ebb of green, total scour of fancy birdsong, total lying dead side by dead side. Turning inwards is only for warmth. Do not dare to open your lips. Do not dare to ask for more than warmth in your arms. Place your hand on that other neck to give it warmth only, as you would comfort any suffering thing.
December. How charmingly irresponsible to feel oneself so near an end, so well done, well done, near a new start. You're listening to Isotopica here on Resonance 104.4 FM. This is me, Simon Tishko. Details of today's show, previous shows, future shows, and all sorts of other things can be found on my website being www.theculture.net. Have a look, drop us a line, send some feedback. In the meantime, hope to see you, same place, same station, Resonance 104.4 FM, same time next week. Simon Tishko. Signing out. Bye. This program was brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. Visit our website at resonancefm.com to hear our vast range of original 24-7 broadcasts. Resonance is a not-for-profit broadcast platform and relies on public support. If you like what you've heard, make a secure donation at resonancefm.com.